You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Jesus Tree, Part 11. Enjoy. Let's drink of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be refreshed this morning. We've come through another week last week. Boy, we had a, one of those doozy couple weeks. Just our, we finally got like we were in fifth gear the whole time, you know. But the Holy Spirit refreshes us. He strengthens us. So let's be refreshed by the presence of God this morning. We're talking about our supernatural family. That when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we, we were born into a new family. And God became our father. And Jesus became our older brother. And he doesn't pick on us, right? He's, he's an older brother that strengthens and encourages. And the Holy Spirit is now living inside of us. Okay? And so we're, we're learning about uh, who we are in this new family, who we are in Christ. And we're learning, we've learned, we've talked about the nature and the will of our Father, how much He loves us, that He really is good all the time. He's never been bad. He never has a bad day. He never gets up on the wrong side of the bed. In fact, He doesn't even go to sleep. Right? Because he never gets tired. So we don't have to wonder, did he get up on the wrong side of the bed today? No, he never went to sleep. He's, he's, he's good all the time. And we've been learning our family history. And now we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in our family. He's the third person of the Godhead. And he shouldn't be strange or foreign to us. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. And he's crazy about you. He thinks about you all the time. He's always looking for ways to bless you. He never gets tired of doing good to you. That's all he thinks about. What can I do to make their life better? Isn't a good parent that way? What can I do to make my children's life better? And he's not limited, right? That's what he thinks of. And he's the third person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And his role in the family is to fill you up with God the Father's life and presence. That's what he does. That's his role is to fill us up with the presence of God. He wants to take the veil away from people's lives. In the Old Covenant, there was a veil in the, in the most holy place. And it's between the most holy place and the, the holy place. And it separated the priests and the people from the presence of God. But when Jesus was crucified, that veil was torn in two from the top to bottom. That means God wants people to know Jesus personally. He wants people to experience Jesus in their daily lives. There's no veil between us and God anymore. And it's the Holy Spirit that helps that veil to be removed from our thinking so that we can know Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to clothe you with power from on high, with the fire of God. He wants to manifest the will of God in the earth, in you and through you. All right? So the Holy Spirit, he's the one who unites us with God the Father. He's the one that regenerates, makes our spirit new, and brings us into union with God. And we know that's what God the Father's wanted all along, to be one with you. Man, he's dreamed about you. He's looked forward to the day when you would realize how much he loves you and put your faith in his son's sacrifice for you so that your spirit and his spirit could come together and never be separated again. And no one can separate you from that love. Isn't that wonderful? Because Jesus did it. 
And if, they, if they're going to do it, they have to go against him. And you just, there's, there's no contest, right? So no one can separate us from this amazing love, from this unity we have from the Father. And the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to experience this daily relationship with God as our Father. Now, I think it's interesting if you look at the Godhead, you have God the Father who always talks about the Son. You have God the Son who always talks about the Father. <laughs> And you have God the Holy Spirit who's always glorifying Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is not um, pretentious or, um, how do I say it? He's unassuming. You ever met someone who's unassuming? He, he doesn't accuse. He's gentle. He's kind. He's not harsh. He's not hard. He's not sharp. He's not pressing. He's gentle and he's kind. And I think sometimes uh, that's why so many miss his leading in their lives because they're looking for lightning bolts and thunder. But the Holy Spirit is that still, small voice that whispers to your heart. And you want to learn to hear that. And there's always, without fail, a, a heavenly peace with it. And man, that's priceless. I don't want anything to disturb that, right? So learning to hear that, that whisper of the Holy Spirit is really where, where the wealth of life comes from, is, is that sweet, intimate fellowship with him. And there's a lot of ignorance regarding the Holy Spirit, and we want to help uh, dispel that, okay? So we're going to spend this, this today and Maybe next week and maybe the week after that, trying to, to really get, help us to get, get to know the Holy Spirit better, okay? Now, we looked at last week examples in the Scriptures of people who were born again. They put their faith in Christ. They were even baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, but they hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We won't go back into those scriptures, but I want to encourage you guys. It's all free. Go online to highwaychurch.us. Listen to last week's message. You can either listen to the, the live stream. Are we back on, Judah? Okay. The live stream on Facebook, or you can listen to the podcast. Okay? You can download it. You can listen to it directly online or share it, highwaychurch.us. Hey, Facebook, how you doing? It's good to see you guys. You can like us on Facebook as well. Follow us. Keep up with what's happening. Um, but we, we talked a good bit about it last week and the week before. But I'm going to say something to you. Acts is a very unique book in all of the Bible. And what many have done is taken the book of Acts and put it in a box. And said, well, that was just a special time when God was trying to kickstart the church, but that's not for us now. I've even heard... Um, man's religious doctrine that says well they needed the holy spirit then because they didn't have the written word which they did and they had the old testament you know they had the law and the prophets but the new testament was being written right and being distributed it wasn't assembled like we have it now but now that we have the written word we don't need the holy spirit like they did oh somebody help me that is ignorance isn't it you need the holy spirit more than you need oxygen and H2O. Nothing's changed. We need the Holy Spirit just like Peter and John needed them in Acts chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. All right? So that's not from the Bible, that kind of thinking. 
Jesus didn't teach that. It's for us today. It, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not an it, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what we we're talking about. It's for us today. Now, I'm gonna, are you guys ready? You've got your highway church seatbelts on, right? All right. All of the things, I mean, the things that God really wants to do in your life will not fit in the box of your religious tradition. They won't. Won't fit. Sorry. What God wants to do in your life is so much greater than man's religious philosophies. In fact, man's religious tradition will keep you in a box. But we weren't made to live in a box. God doesn't live in a box. He lives in you. Right? So we want to live life outside of the box. And that's, that's how, that, this is a family, outs we're outside of the box. If you've come into the family of God, you've come into something different. Yeah. We're different people. We're different now. The, the maker of heaven and earth has become our father. Amen. We don't live in a box anymore. We're walking with God. And it's okay if people criticize you. We love them. Right, Jennifer had a good opportunity to love someone yesterday as she pulled into a parking spot that she didn't know, but someone else was waiting for that spot. And they began to uh, curse her, right? And I said, that's a good opportunity to love someone when they're cursing you and <laughs> shouting at you and calling you names. We can smile because God loves them, right? We're not offended. You can't offend a new creation, right? No one can, can smear us. Right? We love no matter what. Because God loved us, right? He loved us and he loves them. So we love them. Because he loves us. And we're no better than anybody else. Right? Amen. We're just delivered. We're washed clean by the blood. And that's available to anyone who curses us. Right? Yes. And we want them to know that. Yes. In the midst of them calling us every name in the book, we want them to know God loves them. Amen. So we don't take it personally. It's not personal anyway. Right? When someone's upset and if they're, those things are coming out of their mouth, they need love. Right? And, we've got, and we're the ones to give it to them. Hallelujah. So God's living in you. And this book of Acts, I love it. It is outside of the religious box. The whole Bible is, really. And uh, we know this, that things, talking about the baptismal Holy Spirit or anything that God does, they don't happen automatically. Nothing happens automatically in God's kingdom. Boy, that's important to know. Because people drift through life just thinking that everything that happens is God's will. And if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. But the Bible doesn't teach that. So if, if we want to personally experience the will of God in our lives, we have to hear about it. Yes, we do. And don't assume that because you're coming to a church listening to a minister, you're hearing the will of God. It's got to agree with Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. He said, I came to bring life, to give them life and life abundantly. Tornadoes and hurricanes are not a part of abundant life. Doesn't take a scientist to figure that out, right? That's, that's destruction. That's death. That's stealing and killing and destroying. Jesus didn't come for that. That's not God's nature. It's time to know him, right? So we experience God's will. We've got to hear about it. And as we hear about it, we grow in the knowledge of it. And then we believe it and we act upon it. That's how we experience it. If you don't hear about it, how are you going to believe it? 
Right? If, if you're listening to messages that tell you the judgment of God came to Texas and the judgment of God came to Florida, you're not going to know the will of God. Man, I wouldn't want to serve a God like that. And I don't. And I can say that without shame, with perfect confidence, because I know his heart. It's been revealed in Jesus. All right? So the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not automatic. You've got to hear about it. You've got to grow in the knowledge of it, just like your salvation. Right? You had to hear someone had to tell you somewhere that Jesus paid the price for your sins. Right? You had to hear that. You had to believe it and act upon it. What's well, the same thing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I, I want you to listen to last week's message. Listen to the message before. Grow in the knowledge of it. Then, then believe it and act upon it. How do you act upon it? You say, Father, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. I receive it in Jesus' name. Then you open your mouth and act upon it. Pray with your spirit. Not your head, your spirit. Thank you, Father. I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you begin to pray with your spirit. Don't try and make it happen. Don't try and figure it out. It's a spiritual reality that God has given to us. Now, stay with me. We're not trying to offend anyone. We want to help you experience more of Jesus, okay? So the biblical evidence we saw last week of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues. I know this is outside of the box, and it probably sounds weird to a lot of people. What We talked about what speaking tongues is all about last week. So again, we're not going to go into the details of that. We're going to move forward. We want to get into living a spirit-led life. Okay, that's where we're heading. Not a purpose-driven life. A spirit-led life. Big difference. We're going to see that. We'll see how far we get today, but definitely next week and week after. All right? Awesome. So, the biblical evidence that we see in the book of Acts of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's where it's all started, right, is this supernatural manifestation of power that enabled the followers of Christ to pray with their spirits in a language they were never taught or understood, okay? Now, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the same thing will happen. Your tongue will be empowered to pray in a language your mind doesn't understand. What's the benefit of that? So that your natural mind doesn't get in the way with what your spirit wants to say. Okay? Let's look in Acts chapter 2. This is for you. And we're talking about this with confidence not to offend anybody because there's a lot of controversy over this issue. But listen, we need all of Jesus we can get. And we don't want to allow a religious tradition to rob us of experiencing more of Him. All right? If it's in Acts, it's for me. Amen. Sorry, I claimed it. It's mine. It's mine. If it's in the book of Acts, we're, we're an Acts church. I don't know of any other kind of church in the Bible. It is the template for how we operate. 
Now, obviously, culturally, culturally speaking, they're in a whole different culture. So we don't, may not dress like that or eat the foods they eat. I'm talking about the spiritual reality of Christ inside of us and the Holy Spirit. That's the template. Now, here's the context of Acts chapter 2. And remember, we want to keep things in context. Uh, well, prior to Acts chapter 2, we looked at John chapter 20 last week. Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to his disciples for 40 days. And then in chapter 20, Jesus breathes on them. Wow. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And they receive the Holy Spirit. And then he commands them not to go anywhere. Don't leave Jerusalem until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wow. So what happened in John chapter 20? Their spirits were born again, regenerated. But they hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. He couldn't come until Jesus permanently ascended. So we say Jesus is in our midst, but really what we're talking about is the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus is in our presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. The, the man Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, right? You understand that? Okay, so the Holy Spirit couldn't come. So Jesus uh, explained, they said, don't go anywhere until you're clothed with this power from on high. In Acts chapter 2, we've got the first New Covenant sermon of the New Testament church. It's never happened before. We've got the birth of the New Testament church. I mean, this is as significant as it gets, all right? But why is Peter standing up and preaching this sermon? What brought it on? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. If we just keep it in context. That was the whole, and why did he, he stood up actually because people were criticizing them for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? What were they saying about them? These guys are drunk. It's 9 a.m. in the morning and they're sloshed, right? Well, they were drunk on the Holy Spirit, but not on alcohol. So the whole message of the church began with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to, I want you to know this is significant. This is, this is not something we could, if you, I mean, you can choose to do without it, but Jesus says, I don't want you to do anything without it. Right. Don't go anywhere. Don't try and witness. Don't try and minister or start a ministry without being clothed with this power. This is a spiritual reality, okay? So let's start in verse 15 of Acts chapter 2. We don't have time to read Acts chapter 1 and 2. Let's just start in 2.15. Let's see. Okay, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, <laughs> since it is only the third hour of the day. Their, their day, they, uh, they started with 6 a.m. Is, is how they count their hours, so 9 o'clock, 0900. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So this was a promise of God from long, long ago, right? Jesus called it the promise of the Father. And it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour out my spirit. Why in the last days? Because Jesus had to come. He couldn't do it till Jesus came. Jesus had to minister on earth, save, heal, and deliver, reveal the nature of God, the Father, to people. He had to take our sins upon him, be scourged, be crucified, descend into hell, defeat death, be raised from the dead, appears to his disciples for 40 days, then ascend to the Father. Then God could pour out his spirit. All right? I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. These are the days, guys. Your sons and your daughters, thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit and our children. Thank you, Lord. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. 
Your young men shall see visions. Thank you for visions in the young man. Your old men shall dream dreams. Thank you for dreams in the old men, Father. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. What is he talking about? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. If we keep it in context, right? Are we making up something new? We're just reading the Bible. We're just reading the Bible, right? Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter says to them, repent. What does that mean? Fall on your face and cry? No, it means change your thinking. Think differently. Okay? And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's he talking about? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. How do we know? It's just read Acts chapter 1, right? And, and the verses prior to this one. This is, the, this is what the New Testament church was birthed with. I mean, how big is this? Come on. Right, Ray? We're just telling like it is. You know what I mean, girl? All right. Yeah, it's huge. So verse 39, look at this. The promise is to me. It's to you. It's to your children. It's for Ray, right? And to all who are afar off. Wow. It's for everybody. See how the devil has robbed so many in the body of Christ of the promise of the Father? They're going through their daily life without it. Oh, it's sad. It's sad what religion has done. There's controversy around this. There shouldn't be. Remember, that's one of the devil's devices. Controversy, right? I'm going to surround this thing that God is, wants to do in your life with heated debates and, and theological arguments and, and criticism to keep you away from it. And, and Jennifer can relate to this. And I remember when uh, she began to learn about the Holy Spirit, and it was before we were married, and uh, it, was, it was hard for her. It was really challenging. And even after we were married, she still hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We were in our first year of marriage, and, and it had been probably a couple years where she had tried several times to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But she had these ideas in her head that she had been taught that was just like, you know, this is not, it was just a challenge. But, but we, say, we finally got the point, say, okay, that's enough. Time to receive it, <laughs> you know. And she received it, you know. And there's just, there's just something Jesus about it that you don't want to do without. It's so powerful. So the confusion uh, about speaking in tongues, a lot of times it, people get caught up in the terminology in the Bible. But the confusion is between the personal empowerment that a person receives when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit and the ministry gift of tongues uh, that Paul talks about in Corinthians, okay? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 4, Paul says it like this. He says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, okay? So the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a personal empowerment. It's for you, it's for the believer, to pray with their spirit in a tongue their natural mind doesn't understand. It's for personal strengthening. Amen. It's for personal building up and edification. Amen. Jude 1.20 says, But you, beloved, 
building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying with your spirit. It's, it's a, I wouldn't want to live without it. Now, the ministry gift of speaking in other tongues is to minister the gospel to others. There may be a situation in your life where you meet someone, they, they, they're about ready to receive Christ, but they don't speak your language. The Holy Spirit will enable you to speak in their language so that you can share the gospel with them. That's the ministry gift of speaking in tongues. But the ministry gifts are as the Spirit wills, and those happen at different times, but they're for others. It's like the gift of healing. Let me, let me help you in this sense. God has provided healing for us 24-7. You can personally walk in that and enjoy it by hearing of it, growing in the knowledge of it, believing it, and acting on it. But the gift of healing, what's that all about? That's a ministry gift to others who may not have the knowledge of it. You might be in a situation where there needs to be a supernatural display of grace in someone's life. So the ministry gifts are to minister others, us minister Jesus to others. But we enjoy this stuff daily because we're in the family. We've heard it. We've got the knowledge on it. Right? We've got the inside information. I forget what it was. Someone, someone was wondering about something stressed, why I wasn't stressed in my life or something. So I've got inside information. I know things. I know things that, that people don't know. That's not on Facebook. It's not on social media. I've got inside information that gives me the victory. Right? So understand the difference between the ministry gifts and this daily provision. This daily uh, um, new covenant provision that we're to walk in. All right? Let's keep moving forward here. God has not... Oh, here we go. We, the seatbelts are still on, Right? Because this is this, the natural mind can't quite get this, okay? God hasn't called us to live by our natural intellect, but by our spirits. In other words, He hasn't called us to be naturally minded, but spiritually minded. Not trying to offend anyone, okay? God has given us the intellect, it's a tool. But boy, it's got to be kept in its proper place. Because if you exalt it above your spirit, you're going to be limited. God's going to be limited in your life as to what he can do. All right? And much of Christendom is living by their natural mind. They've created doctrines with their natural mind. And they wonder why knocking on doors doesn't work. Right? You haven't been clothed with the power. Right? God hasn't called us to be natural mind intellectuals, but spirit-filled believers. Doesn't mean you don't develop your intellect. We all have gifts in different areas, and we use our intellect, but we don't live by it. We don't live by it. And many believers, they may not tell you this, but they're frustrated in their Christian relationship, in their Christian walk. Because they're trying to know God with their natural mind. And I'm telling you, your natural mind can't handle them. Yeah. If you haven't noticed it yet, God's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little different. He is. And you're in his family now, so you're a little different. <laughs> yeah, he is. 
I mean, have you, have you read the, the scriptures and see the things that he does? Listen, the things God wants to do in your life aren't going to fit into the box of your natural reasoning. They're not. That's why you need your spirit to lead the way. Right here. This is where the still small voice is, by the way. It's not up here. It's down here. I mean, how about this different father that we have? Well, just let's think through some things in the scriptures, some, some examples that God has given us of the way he operates. How about Jericho? I mean, here's God's people coming into the promised land, but there are enemies on their property. I mean, high-tech, fortified city, state-of-the-art stuff, right, the, right in their way, saying, you can't have this. And God gives them military instruction. What is it? Right? Get the latest weaponry and... No, I want you to walk around the city quietly. what <laughs> that's a little different your enemies there they could easily be standing on the wall and just you know pick you off no problem i want you just to trust me and i just want you to walk around this city for six days quietly you figure that out with your natural mind it, it's not here there's a there are realities your natural mind can't get to and on the seventh day, I want you to do it seven times. I mean, you'll just check out if you're natural-minded. Because God, God wants to do things in your life. You just won't go there if you're natural-minded. I'm telling you, it, there are things God wants to do that don't make sense to your natural mind. And that's why so many believers are frustrated. Because they're trying to make sense with their natural mind. That doesn't make sense marching around a fortified city. Six days silently exposing yourself to the enemy. And on the seventh day, and then what were they supposed to do on the seventh time? Open fire? No, shout! <laughs> Why? You, see, you ever tried to look, see what that would look like? That looks crazy. That was crazy. That's how God does. He does things that are beyond, but it worked. Yeah. And no, no casualties. Yes. Not one of God's people lost a life. What about that Red Sea thing? Man, I can't wait to see the videos on that in heaven. God, I want to see that. But, I mean, here's God's people delivered from hundreds of years of slavery and bondage. Uh-oh, there's a big fat sea in front of us. And we don't know how to swim. <laughs> and here come our enemies behind us. God, you messed up. It's over. No, just lift up your staff and I'm going to part the sea. That's not possible. That's never happened before. You can't do that, God. These are the things you'll say to him when you're naturally minded. Well, I'll just, we'll just, we'll build boats. We'll, we'll try and stall the, the chariots that are coming at us at full speed and we'll, we'll, we'll use our intellect and we're going to create these boats that can get us across the Red Sea. But we've got to do it quick. We've got, you know, about two hours, three hours, four hours. We, we can do this. Let's go. Let's form teams. We're going to create uh, blueprints. We're going to build these, these boats. Uh, we need our best, uh, our best architects, our best builders, our, our skilled craftsmen. Let's do this thing. Just lift up the staff. No boats needed. 
I'm telling you, God wants to lift up the staff in your life. Just lift it up. Lift up Jesus and watch the waters part in your life. Don't try and figure it out. Oh, Jesus is funny. He's a little different, isn't he? <laughs> Peter's stressed because they're, they're, they're pressuring him about tax money. You remember that? Yep. He's got to pay his taxes. Jesus has a great solution. I want you to go catch a fish and open it. And in the mouth of that fish, you're going to have the money to pay your taxes and mine. You're killing me, Jesus. You're killing me. No, really, what do you want me to do? Where's the, really, seriously. Go, go catch a fish. Pull it out. The, come on. I mean, let's, what? You know? I'm telling you, God will lead you in ways that your natural mind will tilt on. But it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And, and that's who we are now. We're different people. We're this chosen race now. We're this royal priesthood. We're this holy nation. We're this peculiar people that does things different. Right? And that's what we're endeavoring to do here at Highway Church, just to let the Lord lead us. So we might march around some cities. I don't know. We'll let the Lord lead us. But let's take a look. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The Spirit-led life. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> so you realize that we have a relationship with God. We know Him by spiritual revelation. All right? Not by our intellect being engaged. Although, again, you want to engage your intellect. I enjoy apologetics. I like exegesis and hermeneutics and I like using the intellect but there's a greater reality there's a greater power and it's a spiritual revelation Romans chapter 8 verse 6 the Holy Spirit through Paul says this for to be carnally or naturally minded is death wow but to be spiritually minded is life and peace you know you could have been one of those people marching around Jericho you would have had peace if you were trusting in him I'm just silently doing my, what God told me to do. I, people might think I'm crazy. Uh, the enemy's right there, could, but I, I'm safe. I'm, I'm walking in his instruction for my life, and I know he's got the victory for me, right? Uh, because the carnal mind, the natural mind, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Wow, isn't that something? So if you want to uh, get rid of the frustration in your relationship with God, start walking in the Spirit. Okay. Start being spiritually minded. Let God speak to your spirit and stop trying to figure it out up here. Okay? Now, in John chapter 4, 24, Jesus said this, God is spirit. Boy, that's important. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. And in chapter 6, verse 63, he said, it is the spirit who gives life. The answer is not in your intellect. It's in your spirit. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit 
and our life. So we're spirit people, yes. right? And it's not weird. No. It's definitely foreign if you're, not, if you're used to living naturally. It definitely might seem weird. But when you start living this, you say, wow, this really is the only way to live. It really is the only way to live. Now, <laughs> you can't rightly divide the Word of God with your intellect. I did say that, Facebook. You cannot rightly divide the Word of God with your intellect. It must be by spiritual revelation. I'm serious. And this makes people mad, I know. I mean, there are, there are schools built upon this. Uh, you can exegesis yourself right out of the blessings of God. And boy, I see it regularly. People have come up with their natural doctrines and reasonings through their exegesis and hermeneutics, and there ain't a stitch of Jesus in it. And they build schools on it. And people go to those schools, and they get taught right out of the blessings of God. Because for generations, so-and-so said the Holy Spirit, I was just for them in Acts, and that's not for us today, or not everyone, it's not for everyone. And they go through life without experiencing the fire of heaven. But not us. We're going to take Jesus at his word. Amen. So we can only rightly divide the word of God as God opens our eyes with his Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. Not my Jesus, not your Jesus, the Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. We can't cre you can create your own version of them, but you're going to miss it. I don't want to create my own religion. I don't want to create my own group. I just want Jesus. He's good. He's perfect as he is. We don't need to change him. We don't need. A, 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 he's not a beta version, right? He doesn't need an upgrade or an update. He's perfect in all his ways. So we we're, we're gospel people. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Man, that's what we fill our hearts and minds with, because we see Jesus revealed. We see the heart of God there. You can wrong think with professional expertise. Yeah. You can, have, you can have degrees in it, man, you know? But I'm telling you when, you, when you let the Holy Spirit reveal Christ to you, everything changes. So what do I do? What do we do? We say, Father, show me Jesus. And then we open to Matthew and to Mark and Luke and John. And now, he's all through the Bible, but the clearest place to see the revelation of Christ is in the Gospels and Acts, right? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14. See, this is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important, because we know God through spiritual revelation. And I know there's been a lot of crazy things going on in the world, and a lot of cults, and a lot of people saying, I have this spiritual revelation. Don't listen to anyone who says they have spiritual revelation, and they're a prophet, and this is going to happen in your life. Listen, you need a personal relationship with God. And in your personal relationship, God is going to speak to you personally. And he will reveal to you the things he wants to do in your life. Now, if a true prophet comes into your life, and there are true prophets, it, what they speak to you by the Spirit of the Lord should agree with what the Holy Spirit has already spoken to you in your heart. And it, it has to agree with the character and nature of Jesus in the Scriptures. Or it's not the Lord. So it doesn't matter what they claim or what spiritual revelation they claim to have. A lot of cults are born that way. 
right? So-and-so has this special revelation because they went into this special cave and this special angel appeared to them and they've got these special books and you've got to read these special books and if you disagree with them, then you, you're out. We're not like that, no. right? We just want Jesus. Christ revealed himself to us and that's all we are. People who've put our faith in him and we've been made new. We're a little different, but we're God's sons and we're God's daughters, right? So it's important to know the voice of the Holy Spirit in your own life, in your own heart. Now, uh, at 1 Corinthians, is that what it's 14? Let me see how we're doing. We're good. We're good on time here. So the Holy Spirit gives us this ability through the baptism of the Holy Spirit to pray with our spirits. Because our spirits, the Bible says our hearts, spirits, same thing, knows things that our head doesn't know. The Holy Spirit gives your tongue the ability to pray without your natural mind limiting you. It's a supernatural way for us to communicate with God beyond our natural intellect. But they're both important. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 14. Let's read that. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Obviously, your natural mind can't do that, right? Your natural mind has to study a language to speak it, right? Your spirit doesn't. Wow. <laughs> Just think about that for a moment. Your spirit doesn't need to study. It's revelation. All you need is God to open the eyes of your heart. Amen. And there it is. But my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. And I will pray with the understanding also. I'll use my intellect. I'll pray with it. I'll renew it. Right? I'll, I'll teach my intellect how to think properly. I'll fill my intellect with scriptures and, and, and build a foundation in my mind that, that destroys every stronghold. Right? And that, that knows how good God is. It's important to, to bring our intellect in line with the goodness of God. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. So God wants us to know Him as He is, but our natural mind isn't enough. Okay? We have to know Him spirit to spirit. Listen, there are dimensions of God. There are provisions and power of God that can only come through your spirit. And he's ready to give them to you. But they can, they're received by faith in your heart, not by a logical argument in your mind. And I, I appreciate logic. I like developing good premises and solid arguments. But life isn't going to come through that. It comes through here. All right? Now, verse 2. He says this in chapter 14. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Okay, it's, it's a personal edification between you and God. But no one understands him. No man, right? That's good. People don't need to be criticizing what you're praying about. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. I like good mystery films. Alfred Hitchcock or, you know, you're trying to figure out who did it. But that's not what this is talking about at all. This is a different kind of mystery word. Vine's Expository Dictionary of Old and New Testament words explains this word in the Greek, mysterion. This is just right from Vine's I'm reading. And he says, in the New Testament, this word mysterion in the Greek 
it denotes not the mysterious as with the English word. Right? We think mysterious like cloudy and ooh, we don't quite understand that. That's not what this word is talking about. Not like the English word, but it speaks... Uh, now let's slow down. I want to get, Let's get this. This word speaks of the things which are outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension. Okay. Let me say that again. I like the way it's worded there, so I'm just going to say it. This word is speaking of things that are outside the range of unassisted. The Holy Spirit is your assistant. Your, your, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Stand by paraclete, right? He's the one who assists you in understanding Christ. So these mysteries are the things that are outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension. When something's apprehended, it means you've got it. We need the Holy Spirit's assistance to help us experience the abundant life Christ provided for us. And the mysteries that Paul is taught when you're praying in the Spirit, these are the things that are growing in you, that you're coming to understand. You're praying about the things that are outside the realm of your, your, your natural apprehension. Amen. Isn't that good? Yes. So when I'm, you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying the finished work of Christ. Amen. You're speaking the dream of the Father into your life. It's a spirit prayer that your natural mind can't get in the way of. I mean, my, you're, it'll try sometimes. I remember when I was first baptized in the Holy Spirit, and my, my mind was like, what are you doing? You sound like a fool. What is that all about? That's ridiculous. But the more I did it, man, I just, now I've done it for so many years, and I, I just do it daily. I start praying the Spirit inside. I just go, man, it's like this boiling inside. I don't want to live without it, man. It's powerful. But it's that, it's that revealing of Christ. It's those things that are outside the realm of natural apprehension. Let's keep reading in Vines. So it's being outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension. It's things, this is what Vine says, that can be made known only by divine revelation. Okay. Wow. This is what Paul's talking about in verse 2. When he prays with the Spirit, he's, he's praying things that can only be known by divine revelation. Wow. To those only who are illumined by his Spirit. In an ordinary sense, a mystery implies knowledge withheld. In scriptural significance, it is not knowledge withheld. It is truth revealed. This is good stuff, isn't it? Hence the terms... I mean, you got to be like a Bible scholar to use the word hence, but I'll say it. I'm just reading it. Hence, the terms especially associated with the subject are made known. You pray in the Spirit, things will be made known to you. They're manifested. They're revealed. They're understood. The definition given above may be best illustrated by the following passage. I'm just still reading out of vines here. Colossians 1.29 in the Revised Version says, The mystery which hath been hid from all ages and generations, but now it hath been manifested 
to the saints. That's Christ, right? That God has redeemed us through the sacrifice and resurrection of his son. That mystery's been revealed, but it's through the Holy Spirit. Listen, you didn't come to the Holy Spirit or to Christ because you were so smart. I, I'm not trying to be offensive, but you didn't. The Holy Spirit opened your eyes. He did it. He opened our eyes. Thank you. So he gets all the glory, doesn't it? He gets all the credit. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is good. Now, Jack Hayford, he's a, a, a pastor that I, he actually was, I think, the editor of the um, Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible, if you may have one of those. Uh, I really like the way he puts things, but I read his commentary on this. He said, however, on this word mystery, he said, however, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries, verse 2, he says, the word mysteries is not talking about peculiar things, but about God's truth being brought into the light in your life. You pray in the Spirit, you will understand things in the Scriptures. It's a revelation. To us, a mystery is something we can't figure out. But in the Greek, mysterion is an insight or a revelation that we now understand. Praying in the Spirit. Okay? So sometimes, this is what leads to a lot of controversy. There is preaching by revelation. That's what we endeavor to do here. And sometimes that flies right in the face of religious tradition. And they'll say, you can't say that. This verse says this, and we've done a hermeneutics on this, and we've done exegesis on this, and this is the context. But it's a spiritual revelation that's missing. And boy, the criticisms I see online of preachers, and they're dark and ignorant what they're saying. There's no revelation in them. But they're offended because so-and-so said this and it doesn't agree with their logical, scriptural argument that they've developed with their natural mind. You can't go know God that way. You need to know Him with your spirit through spiritual revelation. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Okay, we're, we're going to just, uh, let's see here. Oh, boy, it's just so good. Let's, 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 let's read this and we'll finish up. We're feeding ourselves. Be refreshed. Be strengthened. God loves you. He's for you. He's with you. His Spirit is living in you if you've put your faith in Christ. Okay, verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 2. We're going to read this right on through and we'll be done. Verse 4. And my speech and my preaching were not with exegesis and hermeneutics, with enticing words of man's wisdom. No, exegesis is good. Hermeneutics are good. I'm... Just playing with you. But naturally speaking, it won't set you free. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That's what we need. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Can you put that verse up there? Verse 5, yeah, I love that. Verse 5. That your faith should not stand. That's verse 6. We have verse 5? No? There we go, bingo. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Don't do it. Don't put your faith. What is the scripture I'm thinking of? Woe to those who trust in princes. Woe to those who look to horses and chariots, but do not trust in the Lord. We're trusting in Him. We're trusting in the power of God for our daily lives. 
We're trusting in the power of God to provide for us richly all things to enjoy. We're trusting in the Holy Spirit to bring the very riches of Christ into our lives. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ. We're trusting the Lord for that in our personal lives, in our families, in this church. We're trusting God for an amazing facility. That's everything we could want and so much more. We're trusting God to meet the needs of every person who comes in here. It's the power of God. Verse 6, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That just means mature. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God, here's that word again, in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world under our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. Now we're getting to spiritual spirits of darkness. If Satan would have known God's plan for redemption, he would have never crucified Jesus. Right? This had to be hidden for a time so that the full redemption could take place. Right? You understand what he's talking about? For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Well, there it is. Verse 9. But as it is written, I hasn't seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. This is not a man thing. It's a God thing. Hallelujah. Who would have thought that God would become a man to redeem us? Wow. That's amazing. For what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of man? Did I just skip a verse? Yeah, verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us. How? By His Spirit. By His Spirit, the teacher, right? He's our private tutor. Uh, searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. The deep things of God are inside of you. Woo! For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man. But the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. That we might know, be sure, be certain, be confident of the things that are freely given to us of God. How do we know the things that are freely given to us of God? By His Spirit. Verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Two more verses. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. That's true of a Christian who's naturally minded. They believe that Jesus has forgiven them their sins. That's wonderful. And praise God for that. But there's a lot of things they don't accept because they're naturally minded. But they are foolishness unto him. That's what all the rave's about. All the, the, the criticisms are about online. Neither can we know them because they are spiritually discerned. Wow. So we need, it looks like we need the Holy Spirit, right? I, I think it's safe to say we really, 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 really need him. Verse 15. But he that is spiritual judges all things. Right? Yet he himself is judged of no man. We have this divine discernment in the issues of life. It's the Holy Ghost. Verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we 
have the mind of Christ. Now, two verses, those first we just read, verse 12 and verse 13 in the Weiss translation, then we're done. But as for us, right, those who've put our faith in Christ, those who've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, these little different kind of people, as for us, not the spirit of the world system did we receive, but the spirit who is of God. Now, if you've put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit's in you. There's no such thing as a second-class Christian, right? All right, we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit, but you may not have been baptized in it. You can listen to last week's message for that, okay? But the Spirit who is of God, in order that we might come to know, God wants us to know the things which by God have been in grace, saved by grace, bestowed upon us. Last verse, verse 13. I love this. This is exactly what we're doing right now. This is what we endeavor to do. At Highway Church, we're not perfect, but this is our goal. Which things also we put into words, not in words, taught by human philosophy, but in words taught by the Spirit. Amen. Let it be here at Highway Church, Lord. In Jesus' name, we need you, Holy Spirit, more than anyone or anything. Fitly joining together, Spirit, revealed truths with spirit taught words hallelujah that is what we need and holy spirit we're relying on you as your sons and daughters to reveal christ to us more every day and we thank you for doing special things in these corporate times when we leave our homes and we gather in public, when we gather at get-togethers, we thank you for your miracles and healings, for the special manifestations of your presence showing up in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.